Thank you for joining the Faith Chapel podcast. Wherever you may be joining us, we hope you know you are loved and that this message encourages you. We're going to continue our series called The Blessing. The Blessing. And uh, and we've been looking at this priestly blessing that God has given us, spoken over, you know, that we're to speak over our families, over our lives. And, And so I want us to say this out loud. I want us to be able to say this and get this into us because... I want us to be able to speak this over our kids, our grandkids, over our own lives, over our own situation. And so I want you to as they put it on the screen. I want you to say this with me out loud. This is, what we're, this is what we're honing in on for the next couple of weeks. And I want it to be this. And so, guys, if you help me out and you put that slide up there, that would be awesome. Thank you, Will. Appreciate it. Here he goes. You ready? The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord lift up his countenance to you and give you peace. And I always add, in Jesus' name, amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you, be gracious unto you. May lift up his countenance to you and grant you peace all the days of your life. In Jesus' name, amen. This is the blessing that God has given us, his people. We are all priests unto God. We are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people that are belonging to God. We have, by that account, we have the ability, we have the right to be able to speak that blessing over our people's lives, over our families' lives. I told you how I have seen this work out in our own family. I have watched as I have placed my hand upon Joe these times growing up in the evening and pray this over him every single night. And I've watched how God has given him favor and opened up doors and put his hand upon him. I want you to know, I believe that this is so powerful because this is a prayer that God has given us, and he's given us the words to pray. It's a blessing that he gives us and says, I want you to pray it this way. So you don't have to worry about whether you're speaking the will of God or not because you are. He gave you the words. He said, I want you to pronunciate this. I want you to speak this. I want you to proclaim this over the lives of the people that are around you. One of the most interesting things about this is that the priest would stand at the temple when people would walk in, and they would say this over them as they were walking in. The interesting thing about that is it goes back to the name of God, because the priests were just the conduit of God's blessing. What they were really doing, they were emphasizing the person of God, that God was the one that was involved in life, that God wanted to bless them, that God wanted to keep them, that God wanted to have his face to shine upon them. It was God, the person, and through relationship with his people that wanted to connect with his people, you and I today, and to make a difference in our lives. In other words, we don't have a God that's far off and far removed. We have a God who loves us and is a part of our coming and our going, our day-to-day life. Can you say amen to that? That's what this is about. And today I want to talk to you on the subject. It's, the, it's in your notes, and I don't give you a lot of notes today. I'm going to ask you to, no, no blanks to fill in. I want your complete and undivided attention, and I want you to be able to write in whatever God puts in your heart. But one of the, the you'll see it there on the, you'll see it there as soon as I pull it up on mine. Yes, Lord, I didn't mean to. I want to talk to you about the subject, the Lord who faces us. The Lord who faces us. Have you ever... Have you ever been in a public place, maybe you're on an airplane, or maybe you were maybe at a restaurant, and, and maybe I should just start it this way. How many people people watch? 
oh, wow, that's most of us. Like, I thought I was in a small group of people that people watch. You know, like this small group that we should start. Most of us, like, okay, most of us people watch. And if you're in public, you know, wherever you're at, amusement park, wherever you are, you're probably, you're looking and you're watching people interact and you're just studying people. And maybe you're in a hotel, maybe you're at an airplane, maybe you're in a, a restaurant. And have you ever, as you were people watching, made direct eye contact with someone in their eyes? Has that ever happened? And let me, just, let me just divide the house here and see how many of you, that the moment you made eye contact with somebody, you went like this. How many of you are that person? Oh, so you wanted to make the other one feel uncomfortable. That's it, right? Absolutely. You, we've all done that. We've all made direct eye contact with somebody, and all of a sudden, as soon as we did it, we went, oops. And it becomes, it's that awkward, silent moment, right? And every once in a while, that eye contact is more than just a split second. Have you noticed? It's like, are they looking at me? I don't know. Are you looking at me? I don't know. It's like we're having this kind of like in our minds, right? And as soon as we realize, oh, they are looking at us, you either do one of two things. You either, you either turn away or you kind of go, well, I've got to acknowledge it because now it's awkward. So you kind of do the head nod. Right? Hey, what's up? Any head nod guys out there? What's up? You know? Or maybe you do that kind of awkward like, I don't know you. Right? Like, hey, how you doing? <laughs> yeah, we made eye contact. Sorry. You know, you do that a little awkward. But it's really, really awkward, isn't it? Let me, let me ask you this. What, what would happen if, if God were to, if God were to look you face to face and you were looking into the eyes of God? Would, would it be like those awkward moments where you meet with people in public? Would it be like, oh, would you shy away? Would it, would it be like you're welcoming a dear friend that you've been with for, for years and that you know full well and they know you full well and, and there's a sense of excitement and joy because you saw somebody that you weren't planning on seeing? Have you ever done that? I remember one time walking down, you know, walking down one of the streets in Disneyland and, and uh, this guy walked by me and I kind of made eye contact. He kind of made eye contact. And I'm one of those guys that I'm, I'm a starer. I'm not going to do this. I'm, and so I'm like, I think I know that guy. <laughs> and about the time I turned, he turned too, and I went, hey. And he went, hey. And we embraced, and his wife's like, who is this? <laughs> and it was a guy that I went to a Bible school that I hadn't seen in over 20 years. And it was like we just were able to just connect in that one moment and spend the next you know, 15, 20, or 30 minutes or whatever it was just connecting and finding out where our kids were doing and where he's pastoring and what's happening in his life. And he just, you know, it was, it was, a, it was an incredible moment. Would it be that way if you saw Christ? Or would it be something that you shied away from? Would it be that awkwardness that, that caused you to kind of recoil a little bit? Would that be the way it is? Because see, in our text verse, it, it talks about that today. It says, may the Lord cause his face to shine upon us. The Hebrew word here is, is really, it's referring to a physical person's face. Think about that for a moment. That the physical face of God will be turned towards us and it'll be, it'll be looking right at us. God is watching us. The Bible says that the eyes of the Lord run to and fro the earth, looking to his heart's been made perfect towards him. He's not looking for perfect people, just perfect hearts. And, and he wants to look at us. He wants to square us up. And in, in, this, in, the, in the ancient Near East, what happens in this verse or in this, in this terminology is, is that when you see someone's face, you kind of have to be close to someone to capture their images of their face. 
you have to kind of, dis- all the characteristics and everything about their face, you've got to be close up. And so it began to denote someone's presence being close to your life. And God is, tell- God is telling us in this moment, he says, here's what I want you to know. He says, I want you to speak this blessing, and I, I want you to know that I want to be close to you, and I want to, I want to look at you. And, and, and I'm glad you're on the front row because I was speaking in my, in my dreams last night. And you were on the front row, and I used you as an illustration, so I'm going to use you as an illustration. <laughs> so I'm glad that that dream was from the Lord. Otherwise, I'd be like, where's Ryan? Like, God, you said Ryan was going to be there. But here's really what it's like. Turn sideways some people. Here's really what it's like. This is what God is really saying. He says, I want to square you up, and I want to look at you face to face. And I want you to be able to see my face. And I want to be able to study your face. When you look into someone's face and you're this close and you have this kind of proximity, I could tell whether or not he's anxious, which, you know, relax, it's okay. (laughs) I I can tell if somebody's happy. I can see if their face changes colors and they're blushing because I'm this close. I can see if there's maybe hidden pain that isn't necessarily apparent from being far away. Now think about how special this you may see. But think about how special this is that God says, I want, to, I want to square you up, so to speak. I want to look at you face to face. And I want us to be in, the pre, in my presence so that I, I can sense and I can know and I can feel what you're feeling and know what's going on in your life. And he's God, he already knows that. But isn't there just something special about it when someone is that close and they know what we're feeling? My great-grandmother had this, she had this habit that she would, Every time we'd walk in the room, she would come, and she would just take both of her hands. Do you do this to your grandkids or great-grandkids? And she just held both of my cheeks. And she'd say, you sweet little ham hock pig you. (laughs) Now, I'm not even sure what that is. But the way she said it and because of the way she held my face, I knew it was a term of endearment, at least for her. And I could sense and I could feel as she would put her face close to my face and her hands on my cheeks. I could sense her love for me. And I think that's what is going on here in this expression. That God says, I want you to sense and I want you to feel the depth of the love that I have for you. I want you to understand that that I'm with you. I want to have your complete and undivided attention. I want you to have your complete and undivided attention. So I'm I'm standing right here. I'm squaring you up so that there's no room for distractions so that you can know that I'm with you. Isn't that powerful? The Lord bless you and keep the Lord make his face to shine. And here's what the word shine means. And when you look at it, it means this. It means to be light or become light. We already know that God is light. And in him there is no darkness at all. He is light. So what is he saying? Is that I'm going to shine forth my light. As I square you up, as I look into your faces, we're here together. I'm going to shine the radiance of my glory upon you. And you're going to be a reflection of my glory, of the radiance of my light to every place that you go. So that others will know and that you have been with me. That they'll be able to see my presence upon your life. Maybe this is what it would mean in the New Testament when Jesus said that I want you to let my light shine in you so that others will see your good deeds and glorify my Father in heaven. What brings glory to God is them seeing the light in us, the hope of glory. And we know that that light is inextinguishable, that there's no way that darkness can overtake it, that there's no way that that light can't be a part of our lives. We know that God is bringing that light 
from himself into us and through us and radiating that life around us so that others will take note that we've been with God. In John chapter 8, verse 12, it says this, I am the light of the world. Jesus is speaking, and he says, follow me, and you will not walk in darkness, but you will have the light of, listen, to, the light of life. You're going to have the light of life. He says, when I bring my light and it shines upon you, you get life. You get real life, what real life is. Not, not what the commercials tell us life is. Not what the world tells us life is, but you get real life. I remember the first time I went to one of the poorest places in the entire world. And I remember walking through and, and seeing people that had literally nothing. Some had no clothes, had no shoes. Most of them had no dwelling places. Most of them had nothing to eat except for what they were able to, they were able to capture on the streets or somebody would give them as they would beg. And I, and I remember the pastor walking us down through what would be called Skid Row and, and introducing us. He knew some of these people by name. And I thought, this is so strange and to me and my faith. But these people had smiles from ear to ear as they didn't have a care in the world. They had nothing, but they had everything. They had Jesus. And that was enough. And I think that asks, you know, that kind of challenges us in our faith, doesn't it? Because sometimes we are needy Christians where we need a better building or a better song or a better Bible study or a bigger house or a better car or newer clothes in order to feel like we're okay. But God says all you really need to experience life is me. You don't need anything else. You just need me. And where I am is light. I love it. There's another part of this priestly blessing that I want us to look at just, just for a moment. And, oh, before I move on, let me, let me say this. There's great delight in the light. I didn't want to miss that. It was in my notes. I turned it and I saw this. I got to share this with the people. There's great delight in the light. I mean, if you study what it is in Scripture to walk in the light and to be in the light and to shine forth the light that God gives us in his presence. Remember face to face? His presence. Being around, in his presence there is fullness of joy forever last, forevermore, right? There's fullness of joy. In the light there is great delight. One other part of this passage before we move on. It's found in verse 26, and it says this, The Lord lift up his countenance on you. That the Lord lifts up his countenance on you. Now, I want to use this current media photo to kind of illustrate this next point. And, and it went viral, and, and everybody, you know, and I'm not trying to be political here, but as they put this on the screen, take a look at this picture. You might remember this picture. The reason why it went viral is because people were saying that our president, President Trump, has, you know, violated these royal protocols. Because how many of you remember, he is walking in front of the queen. So they said, he, he, you know, that you're violating royal protocols. Again, I'm not being political here. I'm, not, I'm using it to illustrate a point, so stay with me. But here he is. He's, he's, he's walking in front. He's breaking these royal protocols. 
Well, there are all kinds of protocols when you meet with royalty. And in fact, if you're getting ready to meet with somebody that's a king or a queen and in different countries around the world, they will tell you this is what you have to do. In fact, when I was at the White House not long ago, they, you know, a few years back, they, they told us, this is what you're going to do. You're going to stand here. This is how you shake his hand. This is what you're able to say. And, this is what you, and they gave you through all these protocols. Well, it's, it's just that way when you meet with royalty as well. In fact, in the ancient Near East, many of them practiced where you could not even look upon that person that was on the throne. In fact, that's why the throne was elevated, because you were never to look down upon. That was one of the protocols. You could never look down upon someone of royalty. You were only able to look up. So many times you would have to, one of the protocols in many of the cultures, would be, you'd have to you'd crawl in and, as a humble servant, and, and that would signify that. And you would look up, and only after you were spoken to could you look up and address royalty that was there. Here's, here's, what's, here's what's amazing about this verse. is God himself says, I want to lift up my countenance on you. The picture here is this. Is that the king of kings and the Lord of lords is breaking with tradition and protocol and saying, you don't have to just look up to me. I want to put you in a position of honor, and I want to look up to you. You see, the royal protocol goes like this. Whenever I would receive somebody into my royal court, if I was a king, and if I wanted to show acceptance, don't miss this, if I wanted to show acceptance of them, I would step down from my throne, and I might look up to them, and without saying a word, I was, I was communicating that I was accepting them as a person and I was accepting what they were saying to me. This is an incredible blessing. The creator of all the universe steps down from his righteous throne in heaven. And he says, I want to celebrate and I want to honor you. As he looks up into our face, as we share in his presence, as we share in his life, he said, I want to honor you. Now, of course, as followers of God, we know that our responsibility is to honor him with all that we have, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength, and the second is like unto the first when he was asked the question, what's the greatest command? Love your neighbors yourself. We know. But I don't know about you, but it causes me to, to step back just a moment and to think when my God is that personal in my life, that he would take the time to call me out and to lift me up or at least to look his countenance up towards me personally into my life. So I would know his life. I would know his presence. I would know his power. I would know his promises. I'd be able to walk in the light of his word. And I would be able to know who he is and know his ways. I don't know about you. That's powerful to me. And the fact that God says, I want you to say these words over your family. And I want you to say these words over your life. The Lord bless you. We serve a great God. A good God who gives good gifts. And keep you. He hedges us around a hedge of protection, 
talked about last week. It's what the word keep means. It means to hedge, put a hedge around. But he also wants to, his face to shine upon us in his countenance, his face to be lifted up towards ours and to be personally involved in our lives. Is that not powerful? And I know you're here today and maybe that's not your experience. Maybe that's not where you are in your relationship with God. I understand that. The Christian walk is a, many times it's a, it's a, it's a walk of highs and, and of lows. It's of peaks and of valleys. It's, it's sometimes where God is seemingly everywhere and he's with us. And everything that we do, we sense God's presence and his power. We sense the blessing of God overtaking us. I mean, we, you know, just driving down the road, we hit every green light and we say, thank you, Lord. Right? And then there are times I hit every light and it's red. And I go, what is going on in my life right now that you're trying to get my attention? This is the way the Christian experience is. There's just these incredible highs and, and we get to know the joy of the Lord, our strength. We get to be connected with our Savior in such a meaningful and personal way that we sense and we feel his power at work in our lives. And then there are other times where God seems very distant. There are other times where we pray and we don't even know if our prayers are leaving the room. We don't even know if God's ear is attentive. We know scripture says that he is, but, but it just doesn't feel that way to us. Anybody else feel that way? I know I don't, all of us are not on the same place in the same time with God in this room. But I want to remind you of this. I want to remind you that the whole reason that Jesus came was to establish an ongoing and personal relationship with you. And to be a part of your life. He came so that he might give his life away as a ransom for you and I. Though the penalty of our own sin, he would take upon himself. So that you and I could understand what it would be like to have freedom. Through faith in him, have forgiveness and have life. Three times in this passage that we're learning to pray. He says, Lord, Lord, Lord. People think it's the Trinity, and people a lot smarter than me say, that's the, reveals the Trinity. But everyone agrees to this. This is the word Yahweh, that covenant-keeping God, the name that God gave Moses to use, where God himself is saying, I want to be in relationship and covenant with you. And that's what they... Uh, that's what that last supper, the Lord's Supper, was all about that night, wasn't it? That the disciples thought they were entering into a room and that Jesus, they were on the verge of Jesus about to step out and to pronounce that he would be the king. They thought that it was a moment where he was going to show forth his, his power and his dominion and that he was going to finally establish his kingdom here on the earth. And and that they, this is why they were following him these last three and a half years. Is because he was going to finally take his rightful place and, and do away with the tyranny of Rome and all that was going on there. But that wasn't what Jesus had in mind at all. Jesus there in that upper room, he, he took the loaves and he said, this is my bread. And what? This bread represents my body. What? What is he saying? Can you imagine being around the table that night? What is he saying? Is this another one of his parables? 
Is this another one of his stories? Is he going to explain it? I hope he explains it. I don't understand. What does he mean? This is his body. He's sitting right here in the flesh. Then he took the cup and he said, this, this represents my blood, which will be shed for forgiveness of sin. A new covenant I'm making. There it is, a new covenant I'm making with you today. What was that covenant? That I love you so much that I'm willing to give my life for you. So, so whosoever will believe upon me shall not perish but have everlasting life. You can be completely and absolutely forgiven and brought into his presence. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you. And may he lift up his countenance towards you and grant you peace. A new covenant where God was a part of our world and a part of our life. Hey, thank you so much for joining us today. If you hadn't already, go ahead and subscribe to our podcast. If you'd like to further connect with us here at Faith Chapel, visit us online at faithchapelst.com or on any social media platform at faithchapelst. We hope to see you real soon.